Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, welcome to the workshop, Men's Focus. My name is Tom, and I'm from uh, Los Angeles. Uh, and I am a compulsive overeater. Uh, and the speaker for this session. Uh, before we begin, please turn off your cell phones and pagers. This workshop is being taped. All opinions expressed by those who share are their own and not necessarily those of OA as a whole. The format for this session is a reading, a speaker, ask it basket, questions, and sharing on the topic. A basket with paper and pencil will be circulated for you to write any questions you may have for the speaker. Please specify whom your question is for. Uh, it appears that this format is designed for more than one speaker. Uh, the reading is from Voices of Recovery, February 11th. February 11th. Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Uh, and it's written by George Centennial, as quoted from Fort, quoted in for today, page 331. I was an unhappy compulsive overeater my entire life, always going on diets and then getting heavier afterwards. Tomorrow, I would say, I will lose weight, but tomorrow I forgot yesterday's misery. My father and brother both died at age 57 of heart attacks. And I was convinced I would die at the age of 57 also. At age 48, I had a heart attack and bypass surgery to move more blood past the arteries that my compulsive eating had blocked. I lost weight, but soon forgot the pain. I gained even more weight a year after the surgery. I thought my life was hopeless. A friend dragged me to, to an OA meeting, and I started on a path that changed my life. OA taught me how to change tomorrow, one day at a time, to change my old habits, to remember the past. I, give up, I gave up over 90 pounds, and the miracle is that I have kept them off for over two years. I just celebrated my 58th birthday. Today, I don't... I, do not forget the past. I focus on being abstinent one and alive. Well, interesting subject matter. Again, my name is Tom, compulsive overeater. Uh, I can relate to this extremely well, as you probably just heard me discussing with those gentlemen who were setting the room up. I have terrible knee problems. Um, and... Even despite that, I still struggle with this disease. It's a real killer. Um, I have been abstinent now for 10 years. I just took a candle um, a few weeks ago. June 15th, actually, is my birthday. I, thank you. I have learned a lot, tremendously a lot, in this program. Um, I... Uh, a little background. Well, I mean, you know the story. Has everybody um, been in the program for a while? All right. Well, um, in that case, a relative newcomer. I'm sure you've heard the stories, but I was composed all eater from day one. Ate tons of food all the time. Had um, uh, uh, stressful situations in my life. Always turned to the food. Um, uh, getting on to the topic is uh, something, one of the principles that, that of course, is, is my opinion only, which I've heard around the rooms, is that uh, as you, uh, when you start eating, you stop um, emotionally developing. It's a piece of the past. I'm a believer that um, 
I stopped probably emotionally developing around six, seven, eight years old, somewhere around there. I uh, uh, I did not really realize that until I became and, and came to these rooms, and it took me a great long, a great deal of time to realize that the food uh, and my emotions um, are related. I uh, come from an alcoholic parent and a manic depressive, uh, alcoholic father, manic depressive mother, and I always thought I got away from the alcoholism, and I always thought that I didn't get my mother's manic depressiveness. Obviously, that wasn't true at all. I did get both, actually. I realized the other day, looking at the past and thinking about the past, it's funny, I should have to read from this topic. Um, that one of the, the, the deals, one of the things with me emotionally was that I am actually afraid, not afraid of my emotions. I don't trust my emotions. As a, as a person from a, an alcoholic father, or um, I was manipulated by my emotions, by my alcoholic father, so he could drink. Uh, I know that I have manipulated other people so that I could eat. My mother, being a manic depressive person, her emotions weren't, was, there was no reality to it at all. So, with that fear of um, not trusting my emotions, I began to turn them off. And I still turn them off to this very day. And you really can't do that in my, in my experience of this program. Because when I turn my emotions off, the only thing I'm going to do is stuff everything else down. And that always happens that way. I always describe it to people, um, the food thing that happens to me, as a um, kind of like a tube. I don't know if it will relate well. Very scientific. Um, tube is empty, and as life hits you, uh, and you don't adequately deal with it, like you don't adequately feel your emotions, because you don't trust them or you're afraid of them, this tube fills up to a certain point, and on the top of this, as the water fills up, there's a little ball floating in there with electrical wire attached to it, and at the top, there's another wire, and when the ball hits that wire, that's when you start eating like a madman, and so in my life, and in this program, I'm trying to use the steps, my sponsor, reading for today, to keep this tube, this little ball in this tube from rising, and Dealing with my emotions, trusting my reactions. You know, we are supposed to sit with our feelings when we get them. Just think about that. That's, that's what I've, I've gotten from this program. Sit with your feelings and feel them. I mean, first we're men, right? We're not supposed to have damn feelings, right? We're supposed to be this macho crazy deal. Secondly, I just told you I don't even trust what my emotions are. How am I going to sit with something I don't even trust? I mean, I come from a background of manipulation. I have manipulated. I'm, I mean, I think every compulsive overeater has emotionally manipulated other people to either get their food or to get them mad at you to go out and eat more food. So how do you just deal with an emotion? How do you sit with them and, and absorb that emotion and um, come to grips with it so that your stress levels don't rise? And the way I do that is, first of all, I acknowledge that feeling, that emotion. I acknowledge um, what happened to me in the past, staying back to the subject matter. What happened? Why do I feel the way I feel? I often, um, uh, just to relate it to, right now, to here and now, um, I have, uh, my wife and I have a cat. The cat was sick. The cat's been uh, in, a, in a hospital, a vet place. Last night we brought it home for the first time, and the cat was like screaming and keeping everybody me up all night last night. Had two choices, right? The old time before learning compulsive eating would have been screaming, would have blamed the damn cat for all the problems that I had in my entire life, and would have started eating like crazy. But you know, you you say the uh, the serenity prayer, and you accept the things you cannot change, and here it is, right there. I mean, I can't. I mean, I'm, I love the cat. I mean, it is what it is. 
And I'll admit it. You know, I had a, a business partner, and I was going to him and say, you know, I, this words came out of my mouth. Well, you know, my wife, you know, loves this cat, and this is all the problems. And I stopped one second, and I thought, and I said, well, you know, I have to get real. Is it really, can I really pin it on her, or can I accept the fact that I love the damn cat, too? And I cared about it just as much as she did. And so, I mean, you know, that's the kind of thing is to, is to accept who we are and what we are, to accept the fact that um, I compulsively over, overeat. Uh, a lot of ways I, I keep real, of course, is coming to meetings like this. Um, boy, I feel like I'm really rambling on this one. I uh, read the uh, For Today every day. I call people. I speak. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know where I was going with that one. Hmm. Well, another part of, of life's past is um, accepting uh, what this uh, weight has done to me and my knees again. Um, I could easily um, continue on obliviously um, feeling sorry for myself with um, about my knee condition. It's pretty much caused by weight. I mean, I can deceive myself saying that it was caused by all oh, family genetics and all of this other stuff or sports industry, that, in, in a sports injury. But let's get real. Uh, at one time, I weighed 335 pounds. Right now, I weigh only 280 pounds. I've kept um, that um, 55 pounds of weight off for more than nine years, which I think is grateful. I'm grateful. I, I, I would like to lose another 80 pounds if possible, but who knows when that will happen. I'm no longer, um, I'm also a believer in a, a saying that you walk, you know, 10 miles into the woods, you got to walk 10 miles out of the woods. I spent a long time putting all this weight on. I spent a long time getting where I am emotionally, um, dealing with anger, dealing with all the other issues. Um, and so it will take a long time to take that weight off. Um, and to come to grips with who I am. However, looking at the past, looking at what I went through, uh, looking at my life uh, in my program, I have been uh, attending the same meeting for 10 years in uh, West Los Angeles at the 100 Pounders meeting. And in that uh, meeting, uh, as I was discussing earlier, uh, for the first three years, I was the only male in that meeting. And I used to resent that. I used to think, well, I should go out and find a meeting with all, more men in it. But now I look back, that's exactly what I needed. Because with, with women, women speaking, I just sat quietly in the back of that room. And I spent three years listening. First big lesson in this program, I kept my mouth shut. Second big lesson for me in this program, I don't know everything. I'm clueless. A lot of things I just don't know. Third big lesson, it's okay that I don't know them. It's perfectly fine. I learned, you know, as a, as a uh, what I do for a living as an attorney. An attorney gets paid to tell people what to do. So the natural habit of someone in my profession is tell people what to do all the time. And I've learned through these rooms, through these programs, that, hey, you don't do that. Another big issue that I've learned, don't give people unwanted advice. I do that all the time. What does that do? I mean, let's just take a look at that one for, for a quick second. You know, giving somebody unwanted advice does the following thing. First, you interfere with their life. Second of all, you create... Uh, an expectation within yourself that they're going to follow these great pearls of wisdom. The reality is, is that if it's unwanted advice, no one's going to follow it because they don't want advice. They want something else. Creates a resentment in you when they don't follow, follow your, your pearls of wisdom. Unwanted advice is one of the hardest things to do, and yet I am in a, li in a, life, in a life profession that requires me to give people advice all the time. So sitting in that room for those 
three years in the beginning of my program life, keeping my mouth shut was a great deal, great lesson to do. Um, getting a sponsor. It took me a long time to get a sponsor. I was in a room full of women. You know, my sponsor had to be a male for some reason. I couldn't figure that one out. There's some people in that, in that room that had tremendous amounts of recovery, females. Tremendous. One, one or two have lost over 200 pounds of kept it off for almost 20 years. And yet I had to have a male. Don't quite know why that is yet, but I have to figure that one out. Another nice rule. You don't need to know all the answers, huh? You can worry about figuring things out down the road a little bit more. Uh, going, going and working the program. I know I probably could do it better, even though I've, I've uh, been coming for ten years. I could probably work harder. We could probably work harder on anything. I mean, I think I just have to accept what I've been doing. And um, what I do, uh, my abstinence is three meals a day, nothing in between. Uh, I uh, do uh, talk to my sponsor. I follow his instructions. And, of course, I did, did work through the 12 steps. An incredible experience. It took me a long time to have the um, strength and willpower to do that. A great, great deal of long time. It wasn't... And I don't. I, I guess I know why. I didn't want to tell somebody about how I felt inside. Once again, I get back to the emotions. I didn't want to have to disclose. And I didn't really have a problem with telling my uh, sponsor um, the bad things I did in my life, the hurtful things I did in my life. But what the problem I had telling my sponsor was with the things that I did to myself. To admit. Um, how I treated myself, how I blamed myself for things that were way beyond my control, alcohol, the alcoholic father, the medic depressive mother, the circumstances I found myself in life. But learning through the program, you also learn that you forgive people. That's what the 12 steps all about. And you let it go. Just let it go. You let God take it. Let, let, how, what is that slogan? Let go and let God? I mean, those truisms that you hear through this program are just amazing if you take the time to let them let them absorb into you. And that's the big one, letting go let, and let God take care of it. That works for me all the time. I was um, coming to this meeting today. I was supposed to get here at 3.30. I left Encino, which for people not around here, it's only maybe 20 miles away, at 2 o'clock. I got here about five minutes before this program started, through the, some of the worst traffic. And I sat there, of course, stressing over the whole thing. And I came, I, mean, I said the serenity prayer. What am I going to do? I mean, I can't do anything about the traffic. You just got to accept that. And I made it. I don't know how I made it. Here I am. Um, so that's, that's kind of um, my share today, focused on this, um, this, uh, this statement. Um, According to the format, we're supposed to circulate uh, some questions. Uh, there's only four of us in the room, uh, and then I'll make five. So um, does anybody have any questions? I think we're going to deviate from this a little bit. Why don't you come on up? Bill, compulsive overeater. I, I, Tom, like you, uh, basically have spent most of my time in uh, meetings where, uh, you know, I'm a lot of times the only guy there. There are a couple of meetings that I go to that uh, there, there are maybe a third of the people there are men, but generally that meeting is, is mainly women. And I'm grateful for the women in the program because uh, I've, I've learned a lot from them and I have a lot of recovery from them, and, uh, and they are friends that I'll have for life. Have you noticed... Um, that there is a is a that there is a difference in the man's experience vis-a-vis -vis the women's experience, at least anecdotally, from your own observations in the program. You know, um, a part of me wants to immediately answer no, but I'm going to say to you. Um, well, actually, a part of me wants to say yes. That was the. the 
But I'm going to tell you, actually, no. That was the, that's the first and honest answer. I uh, uh, attended uh, meetings for about three, maybe four years until a woman got up, an Australian lady got up as a speaker. And that woman laid out my life story. She, it was literally me. Um, she, she just happened to be female and she happened to be from Australia. Other, otherwise, you could have just changed names. It was exactly the same. Um, maybe they, maybe uh, if I overanalyze or dig deeper into it and try to try to get away from my emotions and use intellect, which is something we probably shouldn't do, I would say, you know, women tend to be better in touch with their emotions. I think that's kind of bullshit to be actual honest with you. I think we could be as in touch with our emotions as anybody else could be. Um, and those are the kinds of things, uh, those denial kind of things. Um, in fact, I read that in my for, to, for today reading today. You know, those uh, rationalizations and denials. Oh, women are better at this because they're more in touch with emotions. I, I try not to go there anymore. And in fact, I even started going there right before, right now, and, and brought myself back by saying, you know, that, that, how could that be true? Any human beings are human beings. Maybe they take more time. Who knows? But that means I can do it. Here I am, telling you about my I'm talking about emotions in front of four, four other men. Don't even know anybody here. But you know, so. I don't really think there's a difference. Um, anybody else? Well, without a question, uh, we have to have a, how about sharing? Who wants to share? Come on up. Hi, my name is Dave. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Dave. Uh, my big problem that I have to deal with every time I, is my is my uh, critically unique mind when I come in here and say, oh, goodness, they got, last year they didn't have a men's meeting at the convention, and this year they are, and there's all those men out, and nobody's coming in here. This is so important. And I say, wait a minute, Dave. Draw back. The people who are here are the people that are supposed to be here. Maybe some people will come in later. But in fact, this is this is such a, an important concept to me. Uh, I've been in the program, uh, this is 16 years, and I too, most of the meetings I've gone to, and I've been to a lot of them, I've been the only guy there. So occasionally, you go to a meeting when you, you know, there's six guys and five women. Wow, this is extraordinary. Uh, but the fellowship of the men in the meeting isn't very important to me. Uh, just because, not because it's any easier or harder, but this, to me, is a woman's program simply because women started, and there's many more women than men. And, and there's an attitude, not, not particularly against men, but that is pervasive in, in our program. Uh, for instance, one, at one meeting, uh, a woman that I really admire in program, she came in and she didn't think anything of it. But she says, oh, it's so good. I haven't been here for a while, and I'm always just so thrilled to get back and see all my sisters. And, it, you know, it's not a big deal, but it's like that stuff is there, and then somebody else talked about it. And I was at a meeting a long time ago, and I had just been divorced after being in the program for three, four years. And, and this lady was talking about her son-of-a-bitching husband that she was divorcing. And then one after the other started talking about, and it was, I thought it was very inappropriate for a meeting. There was no positiveness to it. I, that, that's, I think I got up and left two meetings in my career, career in a way, and that was one of them. And eventually that meeting closed soon after that. And I said, maybe it had something to do with that idea or not. Uh, in my area, which is up north uh, in the, in the, Oakland, San Jose, San Francisco, Marin area. We've recently started a men's uh, retreat. Three of us got together, and it hasn't been big, but we've been successful. And this year we're have, we're on our third uh, annual retreat. And uh, each year we get one or two more guys. And uh, there's nothing big discussed about men. We, we usually try to have one hour that we bring up topics, and we, but it's just so 
invigorating to get the male camaraderie spirit of that. And uh, from that, uh, we went. We were in. Uh, we couldn't get the retreat center on the weekend, so we had it during the week. So, but this year we were able to get it, and so now we're on the weekend schedule, which hopefully get more men in. But from that, we have. Uh, we're on a quarterly basis of having a men's meeting in our area, and we we're moving it around. And uh, I'm thrilled with that, just because I like to to be empowered by the uh, the male. Uh, like I said, we don't really talk about that much different, uh, but it's just a different perspective. It feels good. And uh, I'm happy that this is going on. I'm happy I, I got down here. And uh, I love this program. It saved my life. And the women in the program did save my life. I've had a, a woman sponsor for many, many years just simply because I couldn't get a man sponsor and stick with them. Things just didn't go right. And uh, I, I dislike the idea of, especially in public, when one woman tells another woman that they are not allowed to sponsor men. Because if that was the case, most men would never get a sponsor in the program. And if she doesn't want to sponsor a man or if the other lady, hey, more power to them whatever they want, but just to tell them it's a rule and it's not good for them. Uh, anyway, I'm getting on a, on a vein here. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to be here, and I'm glad you guys are here, and, and uh, thanks for your share. Um, just to stimulate, has anybody ever gone to a men's stag meeting? What's that like? Mind coming up and telling us about it? Hey guys, my name is Pavel. I'm a compulsive overeater. How are you guys all doing tonight? Great. Uh, I've I've been to. I'm very fortunate uh, to be living in an area that has a men's stag meeting. Uh, men's stag meeting is a men's only meeting. And uh, I, I cherish it. I, I really enjoy going there because you can approach certain subjects that I feel uncomfortable sharing in front of women, you know. Um, so when I get to the go to this, this men's meeting, it's, it's, it's a lot more open, especially sexuality things, you know. That's that's for me a big thing, you know. If I sit in a, a room full of women, which I'm on regular meetings, uh, I don't feel as comfortable. And uh, boy, do I have problems. Ah, God. And I never saw how big my problems really are until I I came to OA and actually realized I'm not that screwed up just by myself. There are other people who go into the exact same things. And that for me was giving me so much hope that uh, I was like, okay, I, I gotta stick with it. There's there's finally a way out of it, you know. Um I was a big guy all my life. I started yeah going to food to the bakery, you know, being the first in line in school to get to get the best treats, you know, best pastry treats, and get two of them, you know, don't leave anybody for anybody else. It was so important to me. It's insane. And I never understood why it is. I don't care today why it is. I have a way out. That's the most important thing. Um, and being a big guy, you develop I developed, um, well, I was pretty much disgusted with my own body, you know. I hated my body. I didn't know how to 
how to what to do about it. I expected everybody, every woman, woman, to hate my body as well. If I had attention from a woman, I was uh, I was like, there is something wrong with her. You know, how can how can she even even think about me in a sexual way? You know, I don't want to even touch my myself. You know, and so I grew up basically with yeah without without sex. I've uh, I must say, to this day, I haven't had sex with a woman. On the way you would define sex, I've paid women to have sex with me because in my mind, that's the only thing that made sense to me. If a woman is going to have to have sex with me, if a woman is going to touch me, she needs to be compensated for that. You know, My self-image was just so down the tube. It was, it was just, you know, I just couldn't deal with it. And, you know, since I've been in the program, it, and I've been only in the program for only a year, but it's, my mindset is so entirely different. You know, I haven't paid a woman to have sex with me in, in, over half a year now, and I don't even masturbate anymore, I don't even, the sexual obsession that I used to have, you know, going on the internet, you know, going, oh, looking at all that, and fantasizing about, I don't have anymore, that has been removed with being in the program, you know, with trying to work the steps to the best of my abilities. So I, I feel, I feel a huge, huge monkey has been removed off my shoulders. Not only with the food, but also with the rest. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, I, yeah, I've been very fortunate with the weight. With the, the weight has come off. I've lost 170 pounds so far. And my body image is starting to grow a little bit. Oh, of course, I've got lots of skin hanging there. And, but you know what? The one thing that this program is giving me is to look at my life, at my fellow people's lives, at everybody in such a different light. You know, I don't look at a woman anymore. Is she attractive? Is she pleasing to me? You know, I'm I'm trying to get to know them. I'm trying to, to communicate with them, reach out to them. And just dealing with people on a totally different level, it's, it's for me one of the true gifts of this program. And it's probably why it has worked so well for me. Thanks for letting me share. If I could pass on a question. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Um, well, I always like to hear about how sex was with someone else, you know, growing up, how their relationship was with the uh, other uh, partners they had, you know, I mean, do they went to similar problems, where do they struggle, and you were obviously overweight as well, you know. Self-image, that kind of stuff. Bill again, compulsive overeater. It's kind of funny because uh, last night I shared something of a sexual nature in a uh, in a uh, uh, in a form that I never thought I would. It was kind of like, okay, there it goes, and I'm sitting there looking at these people and I'm going, holy God, I don't believe I did that in this context. Well, with, I've, I've been married for I'm 50 years old. I've been married for 25 years, and something that I noticed that the disease did to me is it made me completely. Uh, sexually dysfunctional. I absolutely was impotent, bigger than hell, you know. And um, and I was that way for quite a long time. I, I mean, I could I could per perform with a lot of with a lot of effort, but really, I mean, 
hell, my body was so big, it just plain freaking hurt. And you cannot hold your body up. I, I was over 400 pounds. And I'm like, what, I'm about 240 now. And I've been 232, just for the record. It pisses me off that I'm 240 again. I don't like going over the same ground twice. But, um, and I've heard, that, and I just heard from a young person today that that's kind of like the second phase. You know, kind of like you go, but that's not the subject of this. But it's kind of, you know, you hear things from young people that kind of, wow, that's interesting. I never thought of that before. Uh, but the thing that I noticed is the weight came off, the sexuality came back, and it was a most uncomfortable feeling, a very uncomfortable feeling, because it had become a stranger, a complete stranger. And because um, for, I'm thinking, I'm thinking probably for a good 10 to maybe 15 years, I just shut that part of myself off. Uh, you know, you, you do what you know. You do what you need to do. Um, you know, in, in a married relationship. You know, with you know, for your wife. Uh, but in the way I pitched this last night, it was amazing because I basically just said what I just said to you right now. But it was a young person's focus meeting, and there were two only two other people in the meeting, both women, 26 years old, 21 years old. I could have been their dad. And I just thought. Holy shit! I don't believe you said this to him. And I was expecting to look up and see these, you know, eyes like serving platters and mouths open. Ah, you know, and there's just this really loving look that, you know, I don't know what you mean. You know, I haven't been there, but I can see how that could happen. It was, you know, so here's these here's these women that could be my daughters, but still, we're making this journey together in some very strange and amazing way. And, you know, I'm listening next door. You know, a comment's made, and, you know, the crowd goes wild, and here's the five of us. Um, and maybe, maybe, maybe just like you say, that's what's supposed to happen here. Because I, I'm, I'm convinced that, you know, the higher power of God, you know, is, is running this weekend, you know. And the five of us are here together because we are going to need to hear what each other says, and we're... We're where we're supposed to be, and I, I got to be content with that because I might manipulate other people, but I don't manipulate God worth a shit. <laughs> he is, after all, God. Thank you for letting me share. I think I'm going to answer your Tom compulsive leader. I think I'm going to answer your question, and then I'm well. First, I'm going to go back and, and answer one of the questions that Bill just asked before. Um, I've never gone to a men's tag meeting, so I didn't really know um, that I was missing something. So I'm going to say that the, the life experience, the experience is different because there is that sexual aspect that I've never talked about in uh, in those in those group meetings. Um, and maybe that's why I'm here today too to raise this issue. Uh, my childhood. Um, well, I've only slept with two women in my entire life, and I was married to both of them. I um, did not, I could remember when I was a child, when I was young, I'm going to say about 12 or 13, and we, we were in a summer area, you know, with this just streets with sidewalks, like a little community. There's no, uh, there's no uh, roads and cars running through. And so my, I had a group of friends, and we'd walk around going looking for the girls. And we had a meeting spot, and the girls were waiting for us just to talk, you know, and you know, beginning relationship and maybe a place to spend the bottle and so on. And I remember I would most of the time walk with them until we saw where the girls were, and then I would leave. And, and looking back now, I can't figure out why I, I did that. But obviously, I was didn't love myself, so how could anybody else find me attractive? So I, too, had tremendous problems with um, relationships, even date, even going on dates. I had very few dates. Maybe, honestly, three or four dates. Um, I only developed a, a relationship with a, uh, my first real relationship, actually my first wife. She was a compulsive overeater. We were binge buddies. That was the reality of the fact. We were absolute binge buddies. And that's how I learned about having intercourse with uh, another composer. We were both overweight, and we ate, and, you know, we, and we did learn about sex. Um, I married, um, well, I got divorced from her and, and um, married uh, my current wife. 
Uh, and life was very different with her. She was not a compulsive overeater. And, um, and my life with her was, was fantastic and got even better when I came to this program. Um, my age, though, I believe my age is, interferes with my sexual relationship with her now because of performance issues. Whether that is related to my weight, you know, you think, of, can you have more, you know, I mean, how crazy are we? You can have more sex with your wife, spouse, or, or significant other, or whoever you want to, if you only lose weight. And do we lose weight for that reason? No. Think about that a second. I never thought about that, but it's, you know, that's true. It's, the food, you know, the food is insane. It's insanity. It's total, absolute insanity. Uh, by the way, one of the, one of the things I also wanted to share with you, um, I'm going to throw it in there because we have plenty of time, uh, is that I also believe, after my 10 years of experience, that food, is, food all food is a form of drug. Um, some drugs don't affect you, and some drugs are very good for you. You know, green vegetables and oranges and fruits, those are very good for me. I'm one of these people that um, white flour is very, very bad for me. I eat white flour, and I eat a ton of it. I know this because of experiences through my life where if I eat bread or pasta and so on. So I now have given up white flour, and I've given up white flour for more than three and a half years. Um, and it really worked for me. All right, getting back to the program. Uh, does anybody want to share? Come on back. Getting back to the, 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 the sex thing <laughs> brought up memories of, uh, I went to parochial school, and uh, I mean, there was so much sin there, uh, and I was going to hell for every sin, whatever, you know, and it's just, I was a terrible person. There was no way I was ever going to get out of not going to hell, uh, and, and sex was one of them. So when it, I never had a date. I went to I went to a, a school that had co-educational, co-instructional. I didn't know it, but that meant the girls were over there and the boys were over here. You never got to talk to them. So I was married. I was pushing on. I was married for 24 years. I still didn't know how to talk to a woman after I got divorced, uh, and I'm still that way today. But anyway, uh, I got married because I wanted sex. But I married a woman that wanted kids but didn't really want sex, is what I look at it. Because as long as we were, you know, trying to have kids, she wanted to have sex. But after that, it got slower. And, and, and then it's like, oh, maybe I can get it on my birthday. And then I'd have my birthday, and I wouldn't even get it. You know, it'd be a couple years. And, you know, I swear I got a calendar and how many times she had headaches and all this stuff. And so uh, talk about being inexperienced. And... Uh, then I got in program and I and I lost a lot of weight and uh, things should have been better, but I didn't have a chance to experience it with her. So how do I know? But along the way, I got I got way back in I was what 22 years old, getting out of the service, and they said I had high blood pressure, and I wasn't heavy at all. Uh, I was at my lightest weight, I guess. Uh, but I've been on blood, high blood pressure medication since then. And instead of getting, and I lose weight, and instead of getting less medication, I got more medication. And uh, I had a, after the divorce, I had a long-term relationship for about nine years. We were supposed to get married. Something happened. I don't know what. And she liked sex a lot more than my wife. Probably had more sex in that ten years than I had in the previous 20-something years. But I, I only know two women. And... Uh, something happened, but then all these, and as I got older, what do you call it, uh, impotent or what, you can't get up, whatever, yeah, and uh, I tr I tr the doctor gave me some, some that stuff, and I, tr I got to try it once, but I didn't get enough time to let it react, you know, and then th that relationship was over, uh, but my whole life was based on, I wanted sex. 
I, and, and after looking at it, I said, what a stupid thing to get married for. And, and the, the, the instruction I got as a kid, you know, from the church and the school and my parents. And uh, I don't know. And, and uh, I tried meeting other ladies in the last few years. And uh, it was nuts. In fact, last year, about this time, I met a lady. She didn't live. She lived 90 miles away from me. I said, well, we'll see each other once. So we, I, I went up to her, and I talked to her. We were supposed to talk on the phone. I called her, what, seven times in a matter of two weeks. She called me back once when I wasn't home, and that was it. And I said, I'm not going to chase it that much if, if I can't talk to her on the phone. And, I, and she never called me back. And there's other ones that I tried to talk to. And since then, I just said, David, just work on yourself. If, if, if you're supposed to meet somebody, they're going to get, they're going to drop on you. And no matter, the harder you try, the harder it's going to, it's going to be. And so, uh, I'm going with that. And I, I, I wrote down the serenity prayer again. Somebody mentioned, I keep forgetting about that. It's like, I'm not, not in control about this. I've had a, a hard, life is hard enough right now. I've got all these medical, every day it seems like I get a new medical condition. And, uh, what do I want to say? Program helps me with all of it. I can remember my first sponsor way back used to say, I'd say something to her. She said, I guess that's another thing you can put through your 12-step machine. And, and, and the way she said it, I didn't get it at that moment. But I thought about it all these years. It's like 12 steps works on every facet of my life if I just am willing and, and give it away and let God be in charge. I'm not in charge today. Boy, this meeting has worked out good. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well, we have less than five minutes. Does anybody else want to share? Take it unanimous. I'm a bit scared. My name's Bob, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Bob. Hello. Um, Let's see. Um, I, I haven't been to a meeting in a year. I have a year abstinence, July 4th, but I haven't been to meetings. Um, it's still abstinence, but not with a lot of recovery, I don't think. Um, let's see. Um, well, I hear people around here talking about that, you know, it's not about the weight, and uh, I, I really feel differently about that because it is about the weight for me. Um, because um, I'm diet control diabetic, um, and I used to take blood pressure, uh, uh, diabetic medicine, and I don't have to take it any longer, and I don't have high blood pressure any longer. But if I start getting weight, it all returns <clears throat> quickly. Uh, and I can gain 20 pounds in two weeks, it seems. Um, so my philosophy is I am what I eat, and I become unhealthy the way I eat. Um, food is a drug for me. Um, my first uh, my first drug was fantasy, and my second drug was food. And my on down the road, I became addicted to illegal drugs, and then uh, I'm back to square one to food, food again. And um, so um, I've lost about 85 pounds. I'd like to tell you 90. I don't know what that five-pound difference is. I don't know what that lie is all about. But um, And when I lose weight, I feel sexual, and um, that's real scary for me. Um, I don't know. What, I, I, I only can relate that to that, to that is, is but when I'm heavier, I don't feel sexual. And I've heard or read that when, when, I, when, when, I, when I'm that heavy, then I'm keeping people away. Um, so it, may, it makes sense that when, I, when I, I'm, I'm on a weight loss abstinence or I've lost weight, then I feel sexual. And that, that's probably very normal, but it's not normal for me because I'm an addict. So uh, I, that, that, that's a part of my life as well. I mean, I'm addicted to anything that makes me feel good or feel bad. Um, I come from a family uh, dripping with negativity and, de and depression, and 
uh, Catholic school, and uh, uh, there were no there was a no talk rule at our dinner table uh, when I was a kid. So uh, what my sister and I did was not talk, but we ate. So I you know I learned that over many years. Um, so um, portion control and abstinence has been really important for me. Um, and I've struggled with my weight all my life. Um, my 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 weight or what I weigh on the scale, and I don't I really don't know how much truly I weigh today because I don't weigh on the scale because it dictates who I am. Um, and I've I've lost lost more weight than I think I've lost, and I put start putting it on. Or if I haven't lost enough, then I start uh, uh, starving myself. So that whole craziness around the the, the weight and, and scale and and how it dictates to me um, is very powerful. Um, and I have to get weighed once in a while. The doctor and I do this foolish thing of taking my shoes off, taking my watch off, taking my wallet out of my pocket, taking my car keys out of my pocket, standing on the scale backwards. Now, how, I mean, uh, the, the poor girl must think I'm nuts, and I am. Uh, doing all this, standing on the scale backwards and, 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 and praying to her that she doesn't tell me how much I weigh. Because, again, it dictates who I am. And if I've lost weight, I stick out my chest, and I'm better than. And if I haven't lost weight, then I'm, lost weight, then I'm less than. So it's very, very powerful thing in my life. Um, uh, let's see. Um, I've been in a way since 1970, I've come to a couple of conventions, and, and I really need to um, kind of like relate to men. Most most of the men in my life have really hurt me. My father, my grandfather molested me. My father beat me up all the time. And, and so I don't have good role models for men. And, 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 and unfortunately, this this uh, fellowship has very few men, unfortunately. In AA, it's like 80% men and 20% women. And I think it's just like the, just the opposite here. Um, and so I need to watch and I need to look at men here and to know that, that I'm okay because I, we have the same problem. Not not specifically that I have anything against women, but I beat myself up because I think this is a woman's disease. One more time, hit me again. So um, it's a disease for me. It's a disease of more. Um, so that's all I want to say. I'm Bob and I'm a compulsive overeater. Thanks. Now time to close our workshop. Um, we'll have a moment of silence, and then I'll lead us all in, our, in the serenity prayer. I think we'll sacrifice the microphone okay. for... If, if you guys don't mind, if everyone signs this, this, this piece of paper right now.